I don't know if you thought he was joking, but let me tell you, it's the truth. Everywhere I go. See, Bronnie being who she is doesn't diminish my gift. So what, you're going to sit there and go, how good must she be? <laughs> Not really, I hope so. Anyway, actually, I don't really care. As long as it cuts through, we'll be right. They, um, but seriously, my wife is a phenomenal speaker. And um, if Pastor Jack is genuine, we'll make sure she's here tomorrow night. So you should, um, uh, not tomorrow night, well, tomorrow night. You can see that I handle all the detail in our church. It's, uh, the less detail I do, the better the kingdom is. Uh, let me read to you from the scriptures before we go too far. And um, sorry, I closed it. And I'm a Gen Xer. So I'm only half good at... Um, Okay, I'm feeling at home now. <laughs> Let's do this. Hey, there's this Bible passage. I think it's King David, just before you see it. And, and he, he, re, he reflects on how he used to lead the procession to the house of God. Say, oh, how my soul would stir within me as I would lead the godly procession into the house of God. And you know, the church is gonna come out of COVID two ways. You're gonna come out of one of two ways. Oh, it's there, great. Yeah, that's not it. Oh, I was just getting on a roll too. They, um, the church is gonna come out of COVID one or two ways. And that is, there's gonna be those who do retreat from gathering together and they're gonna find a new rhythm that suits their lifestyle. They're gonna watch online. We do online, I love online. It's our biggest service too. But there is something, there is something. There is something that can only happen in the presence of God's people in the coming together. People are going to tell you, you know, as we emerge, hey, just retreat, don't be a fanatic. No, no, listen, the only way to live for Jesus is to be living flat out, full on for God. The one another's that make the church the church happen when we come together. The Holy Spirit promises to be in the presence of God's people like He isn't in a, like just in a unique way when we come together. And I tell you, I reckon, I reckon not only do we need the Holy Spirit more than ever in the time before us, I think we'll see the Holy Spirit more than ever in the time in front of us. I will, because God builds His church. But as good as it is via a screen, even better when they can put filters on us. They are, there's nothing like being in the house of God. So my encouragement to you is not only to determine now as you begin to open up that you will be here, but to determine that you will be someone who leads the charge, that you'll be inviting your friends. Let's help people live their faith in a powerful way. And part of that is coming together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you can take your seat. And I do want to just take a moment. Ty, you're a beast of a man wherever you are. You're a beast of a human. I grew up in Western Sydney. I sound like I'm from Tamworth, look like I'm from Tamworth. Um, been there a long time now, but I grew up in Western Sydney. And so I always love coming back and to the West. And when I saw the guys in the kitchen, uh, the Samoan boys in the kitchen on uh, last night, I felt right at home. I thought, ah, I remember. It's good old Sydney. So uh, I do want to just mention um, pastors Jack and Carol Haynes. For Brian and I, they are our pastors. Uh, I, I, I meet with hundreds of pastors maybe more than that actually, across the year for all kinds of reasons. And, but of all the pastors I know, and we have some incredible people who have contributed to our lives, um, for, for us, your pastors are our pastors. 
and it's because of who they are, it's because of the way they love Jesus, it's because of the way they love people. Who they are, I know, you know in private, it's who they are in public. Uh, it's a bonus that Pastor Jack loves NFL. That's a bonus to me. And it's just a pleasure. So it's our pleasure to be here tonight. Simon, thank you for starting off with a Tamworth song tonight. I felt very at home. That sounded almost country, felt upbeat country. I don't know if that's a compliment around here, but I can assure you it is a compliment back home. And so thank you. Let's, uh, let's get into it. Passion connects us to our God-appointed purpose. And so as we get started tonight, how's your passion? How are you? As we emerge, as your services begin to open up, how's your, how's your passion? How's your passion for the things of God? My assumption in that you are here is that your passion is definitely in the right direction. That the, the passion in you for God and the things of God is in the right direction. And so I want to talk to you tonight about passion, how to get it, how to keep it, if you've lost it, how to get it back, and how to harness it. How to get it, how to keep it, how to harness it, because passion is powerful. Listen to this from 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse 14. Now Elisha, that's the prophet, had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried. The chariots and horsemen of Israel, Elisha said. Get a bow, oh, sorry. Elisha said, see my Campbelltown roots there. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hand, he said to the king. And when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And Elisha said, open the east window. And he opened it. And he said, shoot. And he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. And then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. And Elisha told him, strike the ground. And the king struck the ground three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will, you will defeat it only three times. What on earth is going on here? And so Elisha the prophet is with the king coming to the end of his days. And when the prophet of God turns up, the king knows this. When the prophet arrives, a word's going to come. The prophet's going to speak to the things of God. He's going to speak to the king's future. He's going to speak to God's people's future. And so the king turn, uh, the Elisha turns up in the king's presence, the king is there and he must be thinking, here we go, the word of the Lord. Uh, you'll be sad to know, I'm not a prophet. Um, I'm not sure what I am, but I'm not a prophet and my wife's a Bible teacher. I'm neither of those really, you'll see that soon enough. And, um, and he says, king, and he shoots the arrow out the east window. And then the king tells him, uh, the prophet tells him, get the arrows. Now the, the king must know that this is a prophetic moment. He understands the context. And so he gets the arrows and he hits them on the ground three times. And then he steps back. And, and, and you get the impression from King Jehoash that it, it's almost like, uh, Elisha, is that enough? Is that, is is that going to get the symbolic gesture done? Are, are we done here? Um, is there anything else you want me to lead in? What, what, 
I'm just trying to pick up your vibe, Elisha. I, I definitely want to get the prophecy going on so that it can be part of my future and our future. How'd, how'd we go there? And we read that Elisha says, what on earth are you doing, King? What is going on here? And, and, and it's an issue of passion. It's an issue of the heart. And that's the problem. Now, I want to replace King Jehoash with Pastor Jack Haynes. And Pastor Jack is very aware of the situation in front of him. The prophet of God has turned up. And the prophet's about to speak. He's not got long to live. You know, I would like, given that Pastor Jack's not that many years, maybe 20 years older. No, he's not 15 years older. I'm not going to guess he's old. I know how old he is. And uh, I'm trying to hide from that now. And so he's like an older brother. Wouldn't it be good? Wouldn't it be good? In his last days, if I outlive him, how good would it be? Sorry, Pastor Jack. I thought of this one on the run. That he turns up and he lays hands on me and he prophesies into the future. Wouldn't it be good? Because I'll be, I'll be old anyway, so maybe it'd be a bit wasted. Wouldn't it be good if you were young? And on Pastor Jack's, or Pastor Carol's last day, they come, they, you're the person, they lay hands on, prophesy into your future, what God's got for you, what he's going to do through you, what he's going to do for our nation and the church and whatever he's up to. Wouldn't it be good? I can imagine if Pastor Jack walked into that room and the, 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 the prophet said, now, Jack, I want you to take the arrow and throw it out the, uh, shoot it out the east window. I can imagine Pastor Jack going, Daz, Go get me some more arrows, because I'm shooting more than one. I might shoot north and east and south and west just to make sure, and I might even throw in a few extra into the east just to ensure that the Arameans or whoever it was, they are dead and we will conquer. You can imagine that would be what he'd do, wouldn't you? And I can imagine when he got those arrows and the prophet said, now strike them on the ground. I could imagine that Pastor Jack would keep striking them on the ground as long as he thought each strike was going to have a prophetic outcome in God. What would the difference be between Jehoash the king and Jack the pastor? What would it be? Oh, it'd be passion. It'd be passion for Jesus. It'd be passion for the things of God. Passion is powerful. It makes a difference. Passion connects us to our God-appointed purpose. And I tell you, in the days in which we live, I think this decade is a defining decade for the church, for a generation that's emerging. I think this decade will prove defining. The, the, the media and voices of the left would say to you that this decade is a decline of the church. And I tell you that across history, in every time period nation, God has turned up when the world has said his church is in decline and his people are outcasts. God has turned up with a remnant and said, I'll raise my church. I'll build my church. You don't tell me when I'm done or when it's done or when it dies. But he always finds a people full of faith, a people full of the spirit, a people who live with passion around the purpose of God above all things. And that's what I And I believe you and I are those kinds of people. We live in that kind of time. Now I'm 49 years old. I know you're thinking, you're thinking, gosh, I thought you were 28. <laughs> Youngest person with gray hair I've ever seen, Darren. I'm 49 years old. I can say there are many things that I've gotten wrong. And it is true that my wife's a better preacher. But this is one thing that is true. 
The passion in me is as hot right now as it was when I made a decision for Christ at 21 years old. And my prayer, my hope, this is literally my prayer since I was 21, God, help me to be like Caleb. He was 85 years old and the fire on the inside of Caleb hadn't diminished by an ounce. He was fired up then as he was back there. So the final breath from the first day he heard the promise of God. There was a spirit and a passion in him. And so what's, what's the passion like in you? How's it going? Because what could have been was lost. That's what happened to the king. Right? The, the prophet says, oh, you could have had, but now you will. Passion. Passion, how to get it, how to keep it, how to harness it. Well, let's, 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 let's start. Sorry, we already started. I wasn't planning to take that long to get there. The good news is I'm still on time. If I hadn't have told you, you wouldn't have known. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person here. Lord, we know you're already here, so we don't pray, come Holy Spirit. We pray, move. We pray, move and stir. I pray, Lord, that you'd stir a fire in me. You'll stir a fire that catches on by your spirit. I pray the people who didn't even see it coming will be stirred with a fire and a passion and a zeal for the living God that would not be quenched all the days of their life. I pray for that supernatural activity to go on tonight. I pray for young guys here, Lord, who, who have no anticipation of living with a fire for you. I pray, Lord, whether they're just little kids, I pray for a fire to go on. Lord, something to be born. I pray for those who've been doing this for even longer than me. I pray for a fire to be stirred and it to come fresh in Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 11, one of my favorite Bible verses. It's beautiful. Never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fire serving God. In the DFB Bible, it's a Darren Francis Spinell Bible, if you're wondering. It's very, very sound. Actually, it has one verse, and this is it. It's the only one I've translated so far. Romans 12, 11. Don't fade out. Keep yourself fired up serving God. Oh, don't fade out. Keep yourself fired up serving God. Passion is energy. It's zeal. It's a fire on the inside. And God wants it red hot on the inside of us. It's that power that excites. It's the power that moves and drives. You can feel it. You can hear it. You can see it. You can sense it. That thing called passion, the fire on the inside of us. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a force for um, action. It's a, it creates an edge. It gives an edge. Passion changes the atmosphere, doesn't it? it, but, it but it is an edge. Have you ever, ever worked with someone who was passionless about their job? It's amazing. You can have two people doing the same job. They can even do it in the same time period. There's a guy, the person, when I say guy, I'm not being gender specific. There's a guy who um, is passionless, but get it done, gets it done. How much more do you love the person who turns up with passion? Oh, how good is it? Uh, Bronnie and I have three children, a 17-year-old girl, 15-year-old boy, a 13-year-old genius. And um, the 15-year-old boy, surrounded by girls. He loves footing. Poor boy, I taught him to go for the Bulldogs from the day of his birth. And I know, but we will rise again. We're like the church. There's always a hope and a future. It'll be back. We'll find a way to cheat the salary cap. Don't you worry about that. 
They, um, but my son loves footy. He, he wants to play in the NRL, like a million other kids. And so we sat down one day and I said, son, there's two kinds of people that make the NRL. There's, there's a super talent and that person has to work hard. And I said, and there's everybody else. And they have to work harder than everybody else. I said, you're the second guy. And I said, if you want to do that, I'll help you. But mate, I don't care what you do. I just want you to serve Jesus. And so he said, Dad, that's what I want to do. I said, okay, well, I'm going to come in every morning and wake you up. If you get up, we go. And if you don't, we sleep. Well, I'm up anyway. But every morning that I'm home, I go in through the week, I knock on his door. say, hey, son's time. And then I leave. Every morning he comes out. He gets dressed. In the middle of winter in Tamworth, I know it's famous for being hot, but in the middle of winter in Tamworth, it's below zero. To be honest, I don't want to go. I I'm like, mate, I'm not going to be playing in the NRL anytime soon. <laughs> but my boy gets up. We get in the car. We drive to the Oval. It's literally, some winter's days, covered in frost. And I make that boy get down in that frost. If he's going to make me get up, I'm going to make him get down. <laughs> he gets down in that frost. He does push-ups and sit-ups and sprints. And he keeps going and going. We often do it together. I don't do it on the frosty days. <laughs> it's just got red-hot passion. And red-hot passion changes everything. Yeah. It really does. And so the Bible comes along and says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fire, your spiritual fervor alive. It's, the good news is it's not a personality. Isn't that good news? It's, it's not because someone's charismatic or extroverted. Passion's got nothing to do. It's interesting. You know, we all acknowledge that Pastor Jack is full of passion. But if I listen to Pastor Carol long enough, it's obvious that there's not really any difference between the passion in him and the passion in her. One's just a little bit louder, voice a little bit stronger, but I can tell you behind closed doors, there's absolutely no difference. You guys who know her already smiling back at me because you know it's true. Passion's nothing to do with personality. It's something that God has given the capacity for on the inside of every believer on the face of the planet. And you and I can live with red hot passion as we serve Jesus. So. How to get it. Number one, how to get it. Psalm 45 and verse 1. You can see that I love reading reams of Scripture. Love just digging deep in the Bible. Not really. I love single verses, single lines. My wife will do that when she's here. But I love, I can sit on a phrase like this for weeks. My heart is stirred by a noble theme. Oh, man, I can just sit with that word for weeks. My heart is stirred, rallied, on fire, with zeal, around a noble thing. Number one, how to, how to get it is, is just to be stirred and then stir up noble themes, themes of God. Uh, well, well, here are the three things that I do in my own life, haven't perfected the art. Number one is my inner room that place with God. And, and I don't know where you're up to with that. And some of you are like, Darren, I know all about quiet time. That's great. Jesus just kept at it. That was the first place Jesus went, the inner room, just with God, letting things stir and then stirring things up. You know, the, here's the other one I think is big, and I love that you're here, is the upper room. The upper room when they came together, that's the place where things really got stirred. That's the place where they stirred things up. Um, I don't know what's on TV tonight, but I tell you, you're going to be better for being here, even if I do a bad job of it. Yeah. You're just going to be better for it. Something's going to be stirred on the inside of you because God turns up and he honors his word. 
My heart is stirred with a noble theme, just stirred in those environments and being stirred and stirring up. Uh, number one, make room. Number two, the inner room. And number three, the upper room. Just the upper room, the gathering of God's people. You know, when um, I was 22 years old, I used to live with my pastors here in Liverpool, and, um, or near Liverpool. And I used to live with my pastors. One night we had this like legit prophet speaking for us at church. Anyway, he came home from, for dinner, as you do, and 22 years old, fired up for Jesus. We're sitting at the table, and my, where I lived was downstairs in like this granny flat, and I just got up from the table, just said, oh, I'll be back in a minute, went down to my room, got down onto my knees, and prayed this prayer. I said, God, when, when I go back up there, I pray this man will speak into my life because I know he's a prophet of God. I walked into the room. He couldn't have heard a word that I prayed. It was too far away. He pointed at me and he read me this. Isaiah 58, 11 and 12. And the Lord shall guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. It's more, even more significant when you live in the West like we do. Yeah. It will strengthen your bones and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Yeah. Then it says this, it transitions from what he will do for me to what he wants to do. Those from among you shall rebuild the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. I read this when I was 22 years old after a prophet of God prophesied into my future. And I don't think I'd even preached a sermon. But that, that, that got on the inside of me. I've read that verse every week of my life, probably from that week to this. Brum will tell you, every week, sometimes multiple times. I know what it's gonna say before I even open it. And I open it early in the morning. And I go, God, I know that's what, I know that's what you've called me to. And I am stirred and I am stirring. I am stirred and I am stirring. You know, there were, there were like 14 years when that, was, that wasn't, it, not a thing was happening. And then Brian and I started to pastor a church of 15 people that my uncle called the worst church he'd ever been to. We were the pastors. Actually, Bron wasn't yet just me, so only I was to blame. But God started to do something. And that church that had been through, without going into it, had crashed and burned down to 15 people, or 17. Then I did a vision talk and it went down to 15. They, um, it was a ruin. My pastor, when I went there, said to me, just go there, do your time, get out of there, it's a graveyard. Sometimes, you just gotta know the word in your heart. Yeah. And in my heart was, and those from among you shall raise up the former ruins. They shall take the foundation of generations. And I can tell you, for four years before we became pastors, we lived there. Not one person came to faith and went on for four years. I would um, listen to worship at home via Lakewood Church because it would do more for my soul than the gathering of the people of God for four years. And all we had was the promise that stirred and the promise we stirred. And four years after that, God began to move. And then we took on another little church. It came to us. Same story. And then we took on a church that had gone down to 10 people. We closed, we reopened. 
two years ago, I think that is now, is it two years, Brian? Two years ago? That church had so many people come to faith in Christ. Actually, it was so broke, we had to move out of the building we were in, that we were renting. And at this moment, where now we've been in a school, we're now about to buy not only the building it was in, but the whole building that was in, two years down the track. And um, if I get the details wrong, Bron won't correct me next week. No, great. But that's kind of the story. Took on another church just this last year. It was decimated. And um, I remember, I said, God, I know we could do this, but we can't just take over. But if you want us to, we will. And two days later, our national president, he rang me for the only time in my life and went, hey, Darren, I think you and Brian should take on that church. I went, okay, no worries. So we had to walk in there and go, hey, we think your best solution is us. Isn't that a funny conversation to have? But in my heart, I remembered Isaiah 58. That you shall raise up, that you shall restore. Those from among you shall. Stirred and stirring. I tell you where those things not only come out of the inner place, out of the inner room, out of the upper room, but, but, but having done that, we are stirred by them and we stir them in us. And it creates a passion on the inside that can stand the test of time, how to get it. Number two is how to, how to keep it, how to keep it. So just a few questions. Who and what drains your passion, your godly passion? Who, who and what drains it? There's some people that drain my godly passion if I sit around them long enough. So I don't. They, um, who and what? Who would, who, would, who would drain you? Who and what would drain your godly passion? And then who and what ignites your godly passion? True story. When I did this as a devotion for our staff, in my notes was, who, uh, who energizes me and my godly passion? Jack Haynes. Who does that for you? Get around them. Some of the guys in your church, honestly, this church is amazing. You see the floors, I see the headlines, but I see some people up close and go, there's people with a fire in their belly. Who, 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 who and what fuels it? Who and what fuels it? And where are you at? Are you at high passion, low passion, somewhere in between? Uh, and all of us ebb and flow, come and go, but, but as a rule, as the rhythm of my life, I want to live with high passion, how to keep it. And Revelation talks about this. In, in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, I think it talks about the church that lost its first love. Some of you will know it. It says, hey, you... you've lost your first love and they're still doing good stuff. I'll put it like this, they moved from stirred to settled down solid. It's not like they backslid. They just moved from stirred up to settled down solid. And and if you were to put those two things out in front of you, where where, where would you say, would you say, no, I'm stirred, there's a fire in my belly. I think the fact that you are here says that that is your desire. Am I stirred up or am I settled down solid? And I tell you, the best way to live, you know that it's true, is to live. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep the spiritual fire on the inside as we serve the Lord. So number one in that passage, it says to them, hey, just remember, I want you to think back to the fire you once lived with, the first love you live with. And and I just think about being young and, and just being up for anything. I think I was on every team that the church had. I'm not sure actually when I slept. But we were, just, we were just in and up for it. Now, that changes when you've got little kids. I'm not trying to beat up young mums. Man, Bron and I used to, I was telling, Bron used to come and lead worship. Bron doesn't lead worship anymore. We have musicians these days, but Bron used to lead. It sounds bad, doesn't it? 
I'm a better musician than Brian. I know Pastor Jack's not going to tell you, but actually I'm not. I can't play anything. So, but um, Brian used to lead worship. She was our band. And uh, I'd have our then three little kids and we'd get out of church and she'd go, oh, how good was the Holy Spirit tonight? And I'd go, really? I, I know theologically that he was there, but I can tell you that he and I weren't having any God encounters. If you're a young parent, just chill. You just keep coming. You just keep turning up. God will get to you. There are seasons in life. I understand that. But just remember, remember, remember the fire, if you've lost it, that we have lived with. And then it says an interesting thing. Actually, uses strong language, and it says repent. And, and, and I do want us to think about that. Oh, you go, Darren, I don't need to repent. That's great. I, I don't think I need to repent either tonight. But there are times in my life where I've had to get honest before God. I don't like repenting. I don't know about you. I, oh, it's just... Oh. But there are times I've gone, God, I, I know my passion's just got away from me a little bit. And then number three, it, it just talks about taking action. Get it back, whatever it takes. It talks about doing the things you did at first. Just get it back, whatever it takes. Yeah, here, here's a statement I would definitely lose from my life around the local church. I've done that. Just to get it back, whatever it takes. Fire in the belly, living for Jesus. And then finally, tonight, um, I just want to talk harnessed passion. How to get it, how to keep it, how to harness passion. And, and, and harnessed passion is um, simply this. It's to put to effective use for a particular purpose. Just to harness our passion just to harness it. So, so what has God stirred a fire in you about? Now, uh, just the scriptures should stir in us, obviously, and the Spirit's prompting should stir in us. And sometimes he'll stir something very specific. What, what is the fire that God would stir when he gets your attention on the inside of you that you could harness and do something about and then connect that to the purpose of God and the local church? I just encourage us to get clear on that, to get clear on whatever, the passion that God would stir in us to get clear on that. Um, the Apostle Paul had a passion for all kinds of things, just to get clear and clarity and then to bring focus to it, just to get involved however you can around it. You know, I thought, I thought, God, I know that you've called me to ministry. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know if I'd, I had no idea. And then someone called me and said, hey, will you come over to our church on a Friday night and teach our kids church? 21 years old. Friday night, do you want to be teaching kids' church? I did not want to be teaching kids' church. thought, you know what? This is it. I've got a passion. Ministry's not going to turn up on my door and knock on it and go, Darren, you just want to roll out the red carpet? You're a bit of a legend. We haven't seen a gifting like this for a while. Not even in that Bromwood Hillary lady. We just haven't seen a gift this strong for a while. Um, and we're going to pay you $6 million a week. 
Right? It's just not going to happen. As is how it turned up, the opportunity to live with passion around the purpose that I felt called to. I turned up with a kids' church on a Friday night when everybody else was doing whatever they liked. And there I was serving these little kids and that went on for a while. But you fast track forward. And even if that had always been it and only been it, the reality is that that would be a ministry that God is invested in and believes in and is up for. I mean, I'm here because someone taught in kids' church on their Saturday night when they could have been somewhere else, made a decision for Jesus, baptized at 10, backslid my heart out, turned up at 21, lived for Jesus. But it was someone back there who said, with their Saturday night, I'm going to fulfill the passion God's placed in my heart by living for Jesus in the here and now with what's in my hand. How can you do that? What does it look like? Just get clear on that. Get some focus on that. And then let's put our hand to the plow, as it says. Let's go to work for Jesus in a good way. Oh, I hope it's something you love. I hope that he's called it to you. Just begin to run with it. Just begin to stay with it. Let's see it through till it's done or he calls us elsewhere or whatever it is he wants to do. But let's live with passion in the land of the living. Ah, this is an old song. Not in the habit of quoting old songs. I encourage our team to get rid of all the old songs so we keep moving forward. But I love these words. Renew in me a passion for you. Breathe on the coals of my heart. Let the fire burn. Some of you will remember the song. I'd sing it for you. You'd be really blessed. But tonight we'll avoid it for time's sake. Renewing me. A passion for you. Breathe on the coals, Lord, of my heart and let the fire burn. Why don't you stand with me?